0: Hi, this is Denise from Skip Town All-Stars. We are on Wife of the Party. Today, my husband James and I interviewed Leanne. We had a great time. I've been wanting to do this interview ever since Leanne had us on her show many months ago. I think Leanne is so interesting and um, does so much for so many people and hardly ever gets a chance to talk about herself. Uh, So I dug deep, James and I, we asked a lot of questions to Leanne and um, we're just thrilled to be here. So I hope you enjoy the show.
1: Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.
0: Hey, listeners. Ever wonder what it would be like to sell everything and travel the country at the tender age of 50? Well, with our last kid off to college and the ability to now work remotely, we've decided to do just that. So we're selling the house loading up the dog and hitting every city from california to florida we're scouring the country for a new place to call home and dragging you into every restaurant airbnb and tourist trap we encounter along the way this is the skip town all-stars podcast so do you need help wrapping gifts you know mia's in town are you sure i've already wrapped all of them okay because i'm insane in the membrane (laughs) you a little
1: bit because i don't like rest (laughs) <laughs> How many hours of sleep do you get a day? I'm pretty good with sleep. Um, oh. I try to get seven, but I'm not a good sleeper in this age oh, that yeah. I'm in, in this menopausal. Oh, oh, I didn't. I wasn't starting. I was waiting for, waiting for <laughs> we're James. Just, oh, we're, always... Oh, we're always starting. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I sleep. I'm not a good sleeper in this. I tell you what, I haven't been a good sleeper since I had kids. Mm. Like, yeah. I think that no, I gave birth not... and, uh, and my hormones went. Good luck. <laughs>
0: yeah. And plus you don't get a good night's sleep the first three years. No. Because sure. you're always up anyway. Totally. So whether it's like your hormones or the kids, you're just always up. So. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It, it's ruined. It's all ruined after, after the after kids. It's completely ruined.
1: I know when <laughs> Isla, um, Ila was a, well, Georgia did not sleep well until she was about, um, 20 months old. And then Isla was oh, well, born at 24 five months and then isla was up yes until was, she was four so i had six, six years, years
0: uh-huh of no oh, that's sleep pretty
1: brutal and that's, then your body gets in this rhythm yeah of not sleeping and mm-hmm. waking up at two because isla i used to get up at two and walk in the living room and just start playing and i'd be like girlfriend it's oh, two in the morning no. and i'd walk her back and she'd go right back to sleep but she would wake up every single night at two in the morning at two yeah and she Does got she herself still do that Um,
0: was she a night owl? She's a super night owl. Okay. So it's her, it's her internal, like natural time clock. It's her rhythm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So do you remember when you were pregnant with her, was she tossing and turning when you were in bed all night? Like 10, 11, I I know, um, Parker's kind of a night owl, our oldest. And I just remember when I would go to bed, she would always, it was like her waking hour, like when she, I was pregnant with her, but, um, Yeah.
1: Interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? I know this. When I was pregnant with Georgia, I gained thirty-five pounds. I swelled up like a friggin'. I don't know. I was so swollen. I um, super. I was super um, morning sick. I was oh. anemic. Um, had I just had so many problems with Georgia, and and uh, my delivery was a disaster with her. And it you was want to do it all over terrible. Again. And then with Isla, I gained twenty-five pounds. I had. Uh, recurring nosebleeds, and I delivered her in like 20 minutes. It was the easiest thing ever. And what I find fascinating about that is Georgia has Bert's blood type and Isla has mine. So I wonder if my body was like, what the hell is this for an object in? I mean, my body just went, no, 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 this is not happening. And then I love, they were like, oh, I know what this is. And I know your body knows what is happening. Your second pregnancy, but it was so drastically different. Different. Yeah. It was, couldn't have been more different.
0: It's always interesting to me when I hear about women talking to other moms who had a first birth experience that was like, difficult like the pregnancy Mm -hmm. and then you decided to have another baby like Mm -hmm. i'm always surprised by that were you just thinking like okay well maybe
1: this one will be easier no i was thinking i was an only child and i will not do that to my child okay so it was all about not having an an only child got it i hated being an only child so um that was it okay i was like if i gotta do this again you're still gonna do it then i'm gonna do it because i can't have her be by herself yeah Totally sometimes i regret that i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> just kidding though isla came in and she was like the tasmanian devil she was like i was like wow she's something else georgia was the easiest ki- easiest she was so lovely and isla was lovely she was full of spirit but man a lot she, of energy she tried to kill herself for the, like the first i don't know yeah. two years Oh, she was one of those dangerous kids yeah like always like hanging off the table yeah. like climbing on things uh digging in the garbage getting on the countertop she walked at nine and a half months like you can't even talk to it no you can't even have a communication there's no no way to communicate with a nine and a half month old. no that's a baby on two feet it's a baby (laughs) and she was gone like i have a video of her on of her i think she was 11 months carrying a huge jug of cat food like she was gone like, she started walking and went catch me if you can so i remember just thinking wow wow <laughs> <laughs> the second one is, uh, hold on because yeah. she's gonna wow it was hard oh <laughs> <That one. laughs> wow and you survived i did i love her <laughs> to pieces i love her spirit i love the piece of her that was that Of course, you know, I just had to keep her alive. Yeah, sure. (laughs) I just had I kept saying, "Okay, we have said that about our daughters, like like if they're
0: still alive, like I'll never forget. A friend of mine took Parker, our oldest, he and um, his wife, Mm -hmm. uh, they were very close family friends and they took our oldest to go um, see the butterflies. And she was in a car seat. She was a baby. And I was like, Okay, this is great. We'll have a few hours for ourselves. And he brought her back like they they brought her back like three hours later. And I said, um, and they said, were you nervous that we had her? And I go, I sh- I've kept her alive this long. <laughs> so I'm, I, I think you'd be just fine. The fact that I was able to keep her alive. So when you say that, that's really funny. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're here. I can't believe it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, James and I have talked about this, uh, for a few months now. So are we going to open up the show? With-
2: yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let's open it up.
0: Welcome, all stars.
2: <laughs> Slightly different set than you're used to seeing today.
0: Yes, we have the pleasure of interviewing Leanne Kreischer. This is where it all started for us. So, we're yep. kind of doing a wife of the party sort of takeover because we're using her studio and we are interviewing her, which is what I've wanted to do. And I even invited her to our Airbnb. But I'm so glad that she said we could come here because I don't know if you remember the first conversation I said, We'll bring our. We'll bring our podcasting stuff and we'll interview at the Airbnb. And Mm -hmm. you said, no, it's fine. Come here. Yeah, totally. Uh, (laughs) I remember. Yeah, of course so um
2: so welcome to your own set
1: yeah i know right i've never (laughs) been in this seat before ever and how long have i been doing this podcast i don't know two years four years now Uh, you're on the other side i know
2: it's gonna be fun
1: i see how challenging it is to be in this seat because you have to pivot i know you're you're
2: starting to sweat it out a little (laughs) in the hot seat
0: exactly um usually when we do our podcast um we're kind of like fly by the seat of our pants which is what we learned from leanne when we were on her podcast and um For any of you who don't know this, um, Bert and Leanne suggested that James and I do a podcast about our travels. And Leanne was gracious enough to have us on her show so her listeners could be exposed to us and we could be exposed to them. And it was so sweet. It really was. And um, I've listened to Leanne's podcast and James has as well. And we both felt like Leanne is always sitting in this chair. And although she talks a lot about her life with Bert, and, um, and you know, her, her childhood, I met Leanne as a mom at the high school and the first interaction with her was just as a mom. I, I knew a little bit about Bert, but, um, I actually like asked you questions, I think first just about yourself. And so, um, I kind of wanted to do that today cause I just don't think anybody, you're super accomplished on your own. Well, thank you. And um, I just kind of wanted to talk about that because I think you're so, su- I think you're so interesting. Oh, it's, and thank <laughs> <you>. <laughs> and um, I just want like our listeners to know how interesting you are. And also your own listeners. I know that they know you're interesting because they hear the show, but kind of wanted to dive a little deeper into like, you know, you and what brought you to LA. So I have a little, I have a little note I normally don't like
2: that. I have a little note. <laughs> about 30 questions I, on that just, I don't want to miss
0: anything because I know we're going to get chatting yeah. and get lost in dialogue.
1: Totally. And then well,
2: I'm before gonna... we do that, I think we should actually mention to you, yeah. number one, we, we say thank you to you all the time. And we truly are grateful. We would not have embarked upon this nope. had it not been for uh, your and Bert's encouragement. Uh, but in addition to that, I just need to say at this point how wonderful the fans of your show have been to us.
1: Oh, that's they, great. They
2: exchange uh, ideas ideas and thoughts and input with us on social media. They uh, are on YouTube channel. We had a couple people in the past few weeks say, oh, are you ever going to be back on Leanne's show? And so just that support right out of the gate, I think is something that a lot of podcasters don't get. Mm -hmm. And so we are eternally grateful. It has helped us. It's fired us. It's fueled us as we've been trying to do episodes from one location to the next all over the country. Thank you. And Uh, thank you to your listeners.
1: Thank you, my listeners. That makes me so proud of the, of them, who they are. I'm that makes me really happy because I think that's the way life should be. Right. Is that you, you are each other's biggest cheerleaders. And if you're not, then what are you doing? You know, why would you be a negative in someone's life by choice? So that makes me really proud to know that my listeners have been good to you. That's, that's really good. Yeah. Okay. So this jumps the gun of some of my
0: questions, but what you said (laughs) now, what you said now has to like lead into something. When I first came here and we did this podcast, um, I said something to you and I don't know exactly what it was, but it was along the lines of like, um, eye rolls that I get from friends Mm -hmm. and I'll never forget your answer. You said you shouldn't have those friends. Yeah. And I think about that comment a lot. And so as much as I have this list of questions that I want to start with because I have a timeline of where I want to start like talking to you, I do have to ask you uh-huh. um, where you live and what you do makes it very difficult. And if you're not from Los Angeles, you don't live here or you are from L.A., but you aren't in the circle of people that Leanne and Bert are in the circle of. How do you stay authentic to yourself? Because this is one of my questions, but it's way down on the list. How do you find positive people that are just really truly happy for you Leanne like honestly like aren't friends with you because of what you have what you do but really truly like want your best interest it seems hard in this circle you you're in
1: uh i think i who well first of all who i am today is not who i was in my 20s mm-hmm. yeah, right we all sure. progress Absolutely. and learn and i can't say that i was surrounded by authentic well-wishing fully positive cheerleader people in my 20s and maybe in my early 30s even so that was a learning process Mm -hmm. i didn't just show up like this i had to learn who i was and i think if if you learn who you are and you like who you are warts and all Mm -hmm. and you're honest with that it's a lot easier to find people that are the same I think sometimes oh, it's we- easier
0: said than done, especially with who you are. Like, don't you ever feel that people want to be friends with you just because of who you are and not who you really are? Does that make sense? Do you know where I'm coming from with that?
1: Yeah. yeah. Especially
0: in L.A. I'm talking about here in Los Angeles, That was like one of the biggest questions that I, I but again, it's down on the list. But I wanted to ask you, which is like, how do you find authentic people?
1: Well, I think. In every community, not just in L.A., and not just because Bert has some notoriety, there are always people who have ulterior motives. Yeah. There, it, that's You could be at a church in rural Georgia, and someone will have, an, you know, your husband's the me- local mechanic, and you want to get your car fixed quick. I mean, I think there are people who have ulterior motives everywhere. That's a good point. And yeah. you have to deal with those people. Up, and my perspective is everyone has value, even if they want something from me that's maybe not very deep. They still have some value. So to meet that person with respect and compassion and kindness is kind of the only Mm -hmm. way to do it in for me, obviously if someone's a complete jerk and is treating me badly, that's a different thing. But I mean, if, if, if I sniff out that someone's here for the wrong reason, I'm not unkind. I don't cut them out. I just don't include them in the, In the things that are important to me and to my core. Right. Um, One of the ways I found, I have this ladies ornament exchange luncheon that I've been doing for 19 years. I did it this past weekend. Mm -hmm. And when I was pregnant with Georgia, I had two friends who had two very small babies. And I went and I just stopped seeing them because when you have small kids, Mm -hmm. unless you're like next door, (laughs) you don't see each other. Yeah. So I went, Okay. I see where this is going. I'm going to make sure I keep this group of people together in some capacity starting now. So we all know who we are. Mm -hmm. We're all in the beginning of this journey Mm -hmm. and we're just going to stay together. And I keep adding people to that group, but they're only authentic people. They're only people that I have a real connection with who have a connection with me. And I think setting something like that in place for me anyway, was really important. So I, I know who my real authentic group is. And as I, I gather more people as time goes on and some people fade away as time goes on. Mm -hmm. And I have no judgment on any of that. A lack of judgment, I think is something that I've really grown into is to not judge somebody for wanting to be a friend for ulterior motives. Um, to not think they're a bad person for wanting that. Just think that they're limited. And and that maybe I have something they want. And isn't that a compliment? That's a compliment. Oh, gosh.
0: Okay, I cannot believe you're saying that. Because no, I do not think that's a compliment. <laughs> you don't
1: think it's a compliment? I actually do not. I
0: think it's a user, like a user type of person. Oh, like, but
1: you only get used if you allow yourself to get used. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's that's my experience of life.
0: That oh. is a great way to put it. But I just see my, I see like, I look at you and I just see like, oh, I'm sure that people see you as an opportunity. And in, in LA, I'm—I know we talk like, yes, you're right, a mechanic in Georgia, but like, it's different here. And if you you don't live here, you don't you don't see how different it is here. It's just so different. There are so much more hanger-ons, mm. hangers-on. Am I saying yeah, it right? Like, yeah, you, know, uh, you are. And I mean, so, it's and so it's a built-in
2: you, component, I think, of the industry that we all sort of circle so ourselves you, in, but. You know, um, I, I think, uh, to your point, as you get a little older, your radar gets a little better Mm. at sort of detecting that Mm. you handle it a different way, obviously than Denise handles it (laughs) where you're not judgmental. Um, but, uh, at the same time, I think that the minute you can detect it, at least you're informed enough to make a decision on how you want to proceed.
0: Right. I think you're so kind about it. Like for you to say they have something to offer. What do they like? It's a compliment that they think I have something to offer. That's so interesting. I'm going to have to think about that for a (laughs)
1: moment. (laughs) Well, I mean, and what you're describing sounds like you've had some sounds like from your perspective, you've had some experiences that have left you feeling like yucky. And I haven't had that. That hasn't been my experience. I've seen it like
0: I've just James and I are just two normal people, but I've actually seen it. And yeah, nobody in,
2: wants anything from me. No, I'm just, no. <laughs> let's just say that at the outset right <laughs> but, now, like I'm useful to no one. Oh,
0: no that's
1: one. not true. I don't believe that at all.
0: <laughs> but I just living here, being around people who we've, we've definitely have been friends with people who had some sort of celebrity who had a little bit of money or a lot of money. And, um, I worked as a personal assistant for many years. Mm-hmm. And so I even saw those families have Mm hanger-ons, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, I just thought like that was one of the questions that I really wanted to talk to you about. But that, like I said, was later on was just because you're in this circle and you're so kind and you're so authentic. And it's like, oh, how do you how do you deal with it? But you obviously look at it as a compliment and you seem to weed it out very well. So I compliment you on that well, and applaud you.
1: No, not well, thank you. Yeah, for but sure. Part of this is choices that you make. You know, when we, um, we were living in Hollywood when we bought our house here mm-hmm. and when we were looking to buy, I was touring schools because I had a four year old and a six year old. And so mm. I was touring elementary schools and I wasn't, I was looking at the education. I was looking at, you know, I was looking at the um, statistics, so to speak, of, of the school. Yeah. But I was shopping the people. So I would go in the school and go, what are these moms like? Mom's like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't be in that group. Okay. I don't understand that. Oh, that's group.
2: interesting because everybody, and, you know, I think a lot of people who live in big cities find this to be like, I grew up in the sticks not as small as you, but yeah, yeah, like there was one choice where to go to school. Whereas here in the big cities, uh, you know, it is, it is a bit of a game and a hustle, you know, to get your kids in. So uh, the fact that you're trying to detect what the caliber of people are mm-hmm. that you're going to be surrounding yourselves mm-hmm. with for the next four years, I think a lot of times gets overlooked. You, like mm-hmm. you're looking at GPAs, and, mm-hmm, that's right, and 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 coursework and all that stuff. Well,
1: I didn't. I didn't have academic kids. They're smart, bright kids, but yeah, we're not absolutely. an academically driven family. It took Bert seven years to graduate from college. <laughs> I never graduated from college. Uh, right. We we are creative mm-hmm. people and. And, uh, so being
0: around a group of certain group of moms was more very important to you.
1: Yes. I, because I grew up so blue collar, I think, and Berg grew up very white collar. We have a a blended family in that way, Mm -hmm. in that we have some value systems that line up and some that don't oppose each other, but have different ways of filtering the world. And so when I was shopping elementary schools, I was shopping the community and, uh, I chose this house that we bought partly because we could afford it and partly because I liked the community that uh, the elementary school represented. Okay. And so once we got in that school, I said to Bert, I'm getting involved in this community that I am going to hitch my wagon up to this. And that is where a majority of my uh, essential friends mm-hmm. are from. Okay, They're from that community. Would Bert have done that? No. He would have looked at the price tag of the house. Yeah. What car are they driving? Who does that person? He's more of that mentality. I'm not that mentality. I think so. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. That just doesn't work for me. And I'm the boots on the ground in this family. Mm -hmm. He's never home. Mm -hmm. So I'm the one that's volunteering. I'm the one that's, you know, co-parenting. I'm the one that's in the Girl Scout troop meetings with these other Families and parents. So for me, it was important to make the community choice. And I I have to tell you, the community we chose was far better than I even expected. Nice. We just. You have such good
0: friends. I I mean, I see. Yes. And you've been friends with them for years since you joined that school. Clearly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's incredible.
1: It is. And they're all. um, And they all knew us before Bert was Very. Successful. I mean, mm-hmm. he was on his way for sure. He had a show on travel channel, mm-hmm. but he definitely was not what he is today. So all those friendships, we don't have to think about, right? That is very true. We don't need to think about that since the beginning. They've been there because they love us right. and we're there because we love them. And that all started from a very, um, a very base, uh, a set of values where we all cared about our kids, our neighbors, our school, our teachers, our community—we um, all cared for each other in that community. I I miss that neighborhood a lot because you could walk up and down the street. I knew every neighbor for blocks, Aww. and uh, that's very much like my hometown. Yeah. So I didn't know when we moved there it would be that, but I knew when I was touring the school I liked the the adults that were uh, volunteering in the school. So I don't know. So as far as feeling like people are here to take advantage, uh, uh, not a lot of new people have shown up. And part of that may be out of necessity. Like we don't need a lot of new people. Mm-hmm. We're kind of like, yeah. we're kind of, we're good. yeah, yeah. And um, it, when new people show up, we uh, we have this group to juxtapose them with oh, and that's go, true. Uh, you know, that is not this. right? That's great to go to dinner. We'll go to dinner. We'll go do some things. And that's not a an disingenuous thing to go to dinner no. with someone who's not eventually going to be like your ride or die uh-huh. you can go to dinner and enjoy someone's company yeah. and not be a ride or die for them yeah. and just enjoy their company and have it be that and yeah. not be superficial or um or super shallow it's just a different kind of relationship than the people that you really invest in that invest in you so I don't know. I haven't really experienced that in Hollywood. And I don't know that Bert has either of anybody who's like, we feel like is using us or is asking things of it, of us for their own, um, means or ends or whatever. We, I know I we just don't live in that world. Well, it's
0: funny because, um, you know, obviously it's no secret. Ellie spent a lot of time here over the summer. Our yeah. daughter, she's very good friends with Georgia. She was just here at Georgia. She was just here last night. Yep. Um, Ellie was at the house and I had some, some friends over and we were just talking about, you know, her being at Lee. I think she literally came from your house that day. <laughs> and I was laughing with my girlfriend, who's like one of my closest friends, Carly. And I said to Carly, I said, Leanne is so amazing. Like you are, you're a, a your great sweet. parent and just, you're so involved. And I said, You know what's crazy about Leanne? And I can say this by living in LA, because I lived in Chicago for many years and it's different. I said, Leanne doesn't do that I know of, with you know, Ellie being here all summer the lunches with the ladies at Neiman's. Like I, like she doesn't do that. I go. And I, so I said, so wait, no, so, I do not. That's but There are a lot of small
2: town girls who move here. I know exactly
0: who I am. And I,
1: They're,
2: that. Yeah. And but so, you're kind of an, you're an anomaly.
0: You're, honestly, like yeah. you kind
1: of are like, I don't think you, <laughs> you realize think I am an anomaly. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> I think you're
2: probably in a fair majority. Minority. Yes. Sorry. How yeah. funny.
1: I'm so oblivious. I have no idea.
0: We were laughing. So I said to my girlfriend, I said, what did I say? I said something along the lines, but she has been my friend forever. I said, if I were Leanne, I said, I wouldn't be friends with you anymore, Carly. And Carly goes, I wouldn't be friends with you either. And I'd be driving a bigger Range Rover. I would like, (laughs) Carly was like, I wouldn't be friends with you. And I would have a Birkin bag. And we were just laughing.
2: I'm just looking forward to lunch at Neiman's myself.
0: (laughs) I can do that too, baby. I didn't so, even know Neiman's surf lunch. Oh, I do. They do. do? Fear, fear. They do. Oh, I have no right. idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what I'm saying about you. Like it's incredible. You, you don't lunch with the ladies. You you don't have a Birkin bag. You don't even probably know what a Birkin bag is. I don't know is. what a Birkin yeah, bag is. Yeah, of what course is that? you don't. It's an Hermes. It's most ex, one of the most expensive oh, bags. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking yeah, about. <laughs> the fact that you don't even know what this is is awesome. <laughs> this is what I love. This is, is it awesome?
1: I mean, sometimes I feel like I. Um... That I should, you know, here's an example. I got invited to something that had a lot of Hollywood hobnobs or whatever. Okay. And then I'm like, how do you feel about being around those ladies? Well, I, I have mixed feelings about it because I feel like I am who I am. I have no apologies or embarrassment with that. I do not feel like I am less than because I don't know what a Birkin bag is. I just feel like I have different interests. So but at the same time, sometimes I don't know what to talk about. Like I don't know what because my conversations tend to be about things that are either really goofy mm-hmm. or very real. Okay, like I don't I don't know anything about fashion. I still shop at Target for some of my clothes. <laughs> I, I don't I don't Leanne, know anything about bags right now. <laughs> like if I have a designer bag, it's fake. It's not real. Oh, I don't buy real bags. I think that's. I, in my opinion, I'd rather spend that money somewhere else. So I'm still very much the girl in the
0: trailer park. I need to know how you stayed like this. I need to know how you stayed like this. Like everybody wants to know
1: how you stayed like this. (laughs) I have no idea. I just went, I think it's, to be honest with you, I think it might be my value system, like a a core value system that I have never changed. Um, Okay, but you didn't grow up with money, Leanne.
0: So when you have money, how have you not like, gone a little crazy hon like honestly like you don't think
1: my house is a little crazy my house is pretty big it is and i got a fantastic yard but that's important to me i i may not have had a lot of money but we grew up with a lot of land i had a lot of land i grew up my parent my grandparents had a like an 80 i think it was 88 acre farm so i i like land like that's where i put my money okay okay so i don't want a birkin bag i want another yard you know, I that want a, another house. I want another. I want a house in the mountains. I want that's what I want.
0: OK, so when you show up at an event, like you said, with the ladies, mm-hmm. like, you know,
1: um, do you ever feel pressure to be somebody different Then? Oh, no, I don't feel pressure to be someone different. Sometimes I feel underdressed Okay. or um, like underdressed (laughs) I always feel like well the pants are for target but I got the jacket from banana republic I understand that you're wearing gucci but I don't even understand what that is I mean I know what gucci is but could you see gucci on me no okay I'd look ridiculous in something gucci I'd look ridiculous I'd be so not myself that I don't know where you buy myself in a designer you know I'm not I don't have the body I'm a petite like all my clothes I have to buy petite's what? They, they there's no just going to have somebody to do Gucci. custom clothing. I'm That's not it. doing that
0: either because I'm <laughs> spending the money on the yard, remember? They do make Gucci and petite. I'll just let you know that right
1: now. Oh <laughs> I don't know nothing about that, but I don't know. I always, when I was in my 20s, I was so um, off in a ditch in who I was and my own self-destructive behavior. So I had to come up with a map for me to stay on track. So I had a person say to me, ask yourself when you do something, is this an integrity for you? Everyone has their own integrity, integridometer, right? Mm -hmm. Your integrity is different than mine. Mm -hmm. What's important to you and to you is different Mm -hmm. from each other. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But
1: you need to know what that is. And it takes a long time for you to really know what that is, I think. It took me probably 10 years to really figure out all the things that were part of my own personal integrity. And having a bag or a car doesn't line up with that for me. What lines up with that for me is feeling safe and secure. Like I used to pray not to be rich, ever i always prayed to be financially secure so i don't have to worry about money Mm. because i spent my whole childhood going we don't have money we don't have money we don't have money i just told this story today to my trainer son um he's taking his girlfriend to disney world and i was like i went to disney world once i was about 10 years old and my mom had promised to take me to disney world and at the time when you got there you you had to buy tickets for every ride Mm -hmm. so we walked in and went oh i will not be doing that and left And I'd been waiting to go to Disney world for years and I didn't get to go to Disney world because of money. It was too much. Mm -hmm. So we sat in a hotel room (laughs) for the whole time and I didn't get to go to Disney world. So money was like that for me, you know, money was not, it was, we were never hungry. I was never without my basic needs, but we didn't have extra a whole lot. So my prayers were about, being secure, not about being rich. So perhaps if my value system was about being wealthy, I would then the bag or the car would line up with that. But that has never been. And there's nothing wrong with that value system. If that's what someone wants for themselves, freaking go for it. I'll yeah. be your biggest cheerleader. But for me personally, that wasn't my value system. My value system was to create a uh, a loving, stable, happy, secure environment for myself and the people I love. And the side effect of that is all of this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I still keep going back to that integrity piece still every day with every decision. It's become automatic now because I've been doing it so long. Is this friendship and in integrity? Yes or no? Super easy to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you know how to act. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If I don't know if that <sighs> that seems very rambling. No, no not, not at all. So, not all those things answer? that some women come to Hollywood for, which is valid and amazing and awesome. If you, I have a really good friend who came to Hollywood to have the Gucci, the Prada, the Lamborghini, mm-hmm. and she has it, and mm-hmm. she's happy. Mm-hmm. Fucking fantastic! Yeah, right. right. I didn't come to Hollywood for that. I came to Hollywood to create, and I am still creating, and so. And in that creativity, I wanted to be secure. And that's all I wanted to be. Okay. So that brings me to my question, which is how we could start Let's talk
2: about young Leanne with her suitcases packed for LA. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about that. So you came to LA and you, I I read. And so tell me if it's accurate. You came because you uh, originally to be an actress. Is that in fact true?
1: Yes. I actually went to New York first and studied acting. I'm a Meisner trained actor and I acted in New York. um, And then I started writing in New York. And acting in what I had written. And uh, New York is a hard place to live. So after four years, I was like, I was getting very like, I need, I need land. I need space. I mean, I grew up in, in rural mm-hmm. Georgia and yeah. at a certain point, and I wasn't finding my people in New York. Okay. And I was working in New York, but only in the things that I was creating. But I, was, I have a Southern accent. People get going, well, get rid of your accent. And I'd be yeah. like, well, I can't. I've been working on it and it's not going. Oh, so wow. I was like, let me try New- LA. I'm going to move out there, keep my apartment in New York, just in case I hate it, and just see what happens. So I moved out here as an actress and um, and I had a couple meetings with some agents. Um, and this one agent goes, huh, yeah. Okay. You have a choice to make. I weighed 110 pounds. At the time, he said, you need to lose about 10, 15 pounds or you need to get really fat. You have two choices. You can be the skinny ingenue or the fat best friend. Wow. And he said, so if I were you, I'd start smoking cigarettes and stop eating lunch. And I went, I'm not sure this is right for me. (laughs) This is not lining (laughs) up with my integrity. I've been working on my integrity and this does not work.
2: So I was like, you know
1: what? I'm going to focus on writing. And then if acting opportunities come up, I'll do that. So that's what I did. I started writing a lot. And then I was acting in like AFI final projects for a couple people okay, who then hired me for uh, multiple projects. So I, I would only act for people who I knew I could not do the audition game. It was not for me because I would be like oh, no, she would be better than me for this role. Oh, you should the, give it to her. You should. Yeah, that's not that's a what an actress do. would do. Oh, I my gosh. Have, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're so not going
0: to get any roles if you no, do that. No. OK, so really quick, when you told your family that you were going to move to New York to be an actress, how was it received? Because you're a country girl saying well. you want to like hit the big city and be famous, basically, because nobody says they want to be an actress to just not ever be on TV. So you knew that you wanted to one day be on TV. How was that received back home?
1: Well, that we you know what's interesting. I don't know that Now, in retrospect and looking back, I remember watching the Academy Awards uh, in in Georgia going, I want to be there. But I don't know that I ever thought I want to be there as an actress. I just kept thinking, I want to be there. I want to be with those people. I want to be with that group of people. Um, That was my aspiration. And I think the only way being from a small town, the only way, you know, the most visual person is an actor.
2: Yeah. So then you think, yeah. well,
1: I'm going to be an actor. I didn't even know director, writer. Right. I didn't know any of that until yeah. I moved to New York and went, oh, wait a minute. I had lots of opportunities. There's all yeah, these there other things. Jobs, yeah. I mean, nobody did anything like that. However, my mom was a model. She was the highest paid model in Atlanta for about nine years. She was a model forever. Wow. Um, also, She's from a smaller town than I'm from married my dad. They were high school sweethearts and got married. And she worked in a factory that made men's suits and paid my dad's way through, um, a couple of technical school, um, certification Uh programs Uh to be a mechanic. And once he started his mechanic business, auto mechanic business, he said to her, now it's your turn. What do you want to do? I'm working. I'll pay for you to do whatever. So she wanted to go to Barbizon Oh, nice! And be a model, uh-huh. nice. and so he paid for that, and um, she became a model, and that's um, a whole big, complicated childhood story. But they divorced. She moved to Atlanta, and was in fact a model. She moved me to Atlanta with her when I was seven.
0: So it's not a so for you to say I want to go to New York and be an actress. She was probably like, "Go ahead, honey, do your best."
1: Yes, okay. she was supportive. Um, your dad? My dad was. You know, my dad is so, uh, so very wise. Um, I lived in Atlanta from seven to 13. And then at at 13, you could choose where you wanted to live. Mm -hmm. I I did not have a good relationship with my mom. I don't have a relationship with my mom now. And in my opinion, there's a lot of mental illness with my mom. Mm -hmm. So at 13, I could choose and I chose to move back with my dad. And when I moved back, he said to me, you know, you're not going to stay here you've already lived in the city you're never gonna stay here it's never gonna hold you so i'm just waiting for the day when you're telling me you're moving so he was waiting for it he never really was like you're gonna be an actor he was never like that he was waiting for the day when i was gonna launch to the big city got it so he was supportive in a very, I don't like this way. Not because I don't like <laughs> right, that you're right. an actor, but I don't I'm like. I'm
2: worried about you and your future kind of way.
1: I mean, he lived in this town of 1,600 people his entire life. He never lived anywhere else. Yeah, so yeah. New York is like a foreign country. Uh, I'd moved there. I'd never been there. So wow. I was like, I don't know about this Big Apple, but I can't do Atlanta. Atlanta was not my speed. Okay. Okay. So I was like, I got to find somewhere I'd started acting in Atlanta. And my teacher in Atlanta said, you're actually very talented, but you need to train. So you okay. need to go to New York if this if this is what you want to do. And I was in college and I was miserable. Um, and I had had a lot of really heavy stuff happen in college. I don't know. We just, yeah, it, I've heard of, super yeah. heavy mm-hmm. um, with my my dad and his wife divorced. And then my dad. Had a bit of a breakdown, moved in the dorm with me.
0: (laughs) Wow. Oh, that one I did not
1: hear. Okay. At the same time, this this other stuff was happening, and uh, it was just too much, and I was drinking too much, and I was, um, I drank so much, I lost my hair, my liver became enlarged, I was in very bad shape, my sorority told me I should go to rehab, I was in bad, bad shape. So, I pulled out of college to kind of reset, and my mom was like, why don't you take an acting class, just... For shits and giggles just to have something to do oh, yeah interesting. see okay. if you like it you know um so that's what i did I, I did it because i was really lost and acting wasn't the answer for me acting was the catalyst that got me to all of these other things um acting is what got me into therapy and i don't know that i would be uh this today without therapy okay i, I don't think it's possible at all, probably not. And honestly, then, like cause you, need, you no. need
0: with all traumatic things that happen in anyone's life, if you don't have a professional to talk to, because totally. your friends can only help so much, you know. Like really, and you yeah. know, there's like they're not trained.
1: And this was way above most people's pay grade. Yeah, you know, yeah, to have sure. my mom is is divorced her sixth husband now. She's been through all these. Mm-hmm. You know, I really believe that she has a. I believe. That she has a personality disorder and to be raised by someone who has a personality disorder, be the only child and be the focus of all of that control and judgment and intensity is a lot to unravel Um, and to find who you really are uh, after all of who you've been told you are is stripped away. I couldn't have done that by myself. It's incredible yeah. that you did not end up like, like an alcoholic
0: with, Oh, I was, I mean, but like you're just life completely destroyed that you made. You actually made that decision to make a change. Do you know? Like most people don't do that. I
1: agree with you. And I think, um, I don't know why I had that instinct or wisdom or whatever, or I, I just got fed up with being unhappy. Yeah. I got really fed up with being unhappy. My dad, happiest person you'll ever meet. Never wow. unhappy. Never in a bad mood. Nothing's ever too big of a problem. Not really. He's just so jolly happy. And <clears throat> I was always unhappy, but knew that wasn't, like, real. like it, Or it was a choice. Somehow I was like, this is... This, this can be different. This can't be yeah. my whole life. Like, for the next... 60 years. I'm not doing this yeah. for the next 60 years. No way. There's got to be something different. And I think I always, from a young age, knew that my mom was not right. Like, you know, when your mom goes, hey, I need you to tell this lie. yeah, And here's the lie. And here's how you're going to sell it.
2: That's a lot for a little kid to like process.
1: But then my dad's at home going, we don't lie. Yeah. We don't cheat. We don't steal. My mom's going, put this in your purse. Um, if you get busted, they won't do anything to you. You're a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Aww. I had my dad go, my dad's voice going, you know, we don't, I don't, do don't yeah. think this is of right. Of yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is not what the Bible says. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't think this is right. So I think from a young age, I knew Aww. that things were yeah. not right. So once I got into therapy, New York, for me, was about acting in New York. I think what it did for me was to get me out of Georgia, mm-hmm. get me into thera- therapy. Georgia and therapy don't all go together that oh, culturally. It's true. No, wow. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I didn't go there to get into therapy. I got there and things fell so apart that I thought, "I this is above my pay grade. Mm-hmm. Like, I my car's broke down so much. I got to find a mechanic at this point or, or we're not going to get it back on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: it is amazing when you're on your own like that, especially as a young, like as a young person, uh, how, you know, you go to this other place, like in my case, it was coming to Los Angeles and you get there and rather than it sort of improving who you are it exacerbates it like, to the degree where you're like, I don't even know if I can stay here in this city. So yep. um, yeah, I can totally relate to that for sure. And yep. it's going back to therapy. It's, it is really important. Like, uh, you know, you can have as many great friends as you want mm-hmm. or as you can gather, mm-hmm. but to have, you just need an objective third party because eventually the best of friends get tired of hearing the same old problems, yep. right?
1: It's true. And you know, the, the thing about me is um i don't like i don't like negative cycles and your whole life is cyclical Mm -hmm. every seven years your body regenerates itself blah 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 there's cycle after cycle but i was in cycles that i couldn't identify myself that my therapist went this is this relationship with your mom this is this relationship with your dad whatever and so until i could see the cycle i couldn't break it so that's what therapy did for me is just to help me break the cycles that were put in place by bad experience, bad parenting, bad whatever, fill in the blank. Um, but yeah, so anyway, going, going to New York was about, started out about acting, uh, ended up about me really figuring out who I was and trying to um, kind of rewire myself a little bit. Did you stop drinking when you were in New York? I stopped drinking before that. You did? Um, uh, there was a a plethora of warnings for Got me it. to stop yeah. drinking. Okay. And uh, I, I, I met this guy who, um, I've told this story before on the podcast, but I went to a Halloween party mm-hmm. and there was a psychic tent at the Halloween party and a psychic went, ooh, you have really bad headaches. And I said, yes, I do. And she goes, I think I know a guy that can help you. He's amazing um he does reiki and he Uh can help you so i was like give me his number i did i had terrible headaches so i walked into him and he did the same thing he went "Ooh, you have stuff with your mother and i went oh my god yes i do wait so
2: i don't know what is reiki (laughs) reiki
1: Reiki is a form of healing where they Uh manipulate energy in your body and pull it out of your body some people think it's like phooey by
2: doing Mm -hmm. what Um, how how do they do it oh so okay so there's actually like hands on yes, with
1: their hands and then they like manipulate your you've lived in la how do you not know i thought
2: i knew (laughs) everything i work in tv like i've seen a bunch of shit over the years but i've never seen that you don't know
0: birkin bag and he doesn't know reiki where the hell are we useless over
1: here the couch is useless no um so he (laughs) like as soon as i walked in you got stuff with your mom and you have really bad headaches And he he said this to me. Did he did the session? And he goes, "Okay, I can help you, but once we start, you can't go back, and things are going to change. People are going to fall away, and you're going to move ahead, and it's going to be really hard. But it's your choice. Oh, this is heavy stuff." stuff. He said he, but he was right. I was twenty.
2: Okay, yeah, really young. I was
1: twenty, and I went, "What's happening here? Ain't working." Okay, so I'll take it. I'll okay, take my that's chances.
0: incredible. The wiseness from your dad has definitely transferred mm-hmm. to you because at 20 years old, most kids would have said, yeah, I'm going to get a beer. Honestly, they would have been
1: like, this is voodoo bullshit and I'm going to go get a beer. Totally. So
0: that's amazing,
1: Leanne. I think it's from uh, this very kind of salt of the earth farmer, you know, really basic um, right and wrong theory background from my dad's family you know is it right or is it wrong it's pretty clear it's true there's no like bullshitting your way into being right it's either right or wrong and you know it so do it right i mean that's how i was brought up so he
0: does the reiki how many sessions do you remember was it months like and then things started changing in your life
1: it was a year and a half wow i went once a week for six months and then after that i went every other week and then once every three weeks and we just kind of weaned myself out of it and uh, yeah, I was committed. I was off in a ditch. I'd had a DUI. I'd had a date rape. I'd had a divorce with my dad's th- my stepmother, right. who had been in my life since I was eight. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had my mom and I are in and out of a relationship, and, and um, that was damaging. I I um lost my hair. My liver was inflamed. I I think the when I finally right before I met Scott, I had I woke up in my bedroom. What what were we were we in Georgia still? Yeah, still point? in Georgia. Okay, uh-huh. I woke up in my bedroom and um I didn't know how I got home.
0: Oh yeah, that's
1: and window was open and I see outside the window a shoe, which was mine, and then I followed my path back to my car with the door open and the keys in it. So I'd driven myself home oh. and took my clothes off on the way to crawling into my window.
2: Wow, and okay. I was like, "You were in a hurry to get to bed that night."
1: Perhaps <laughs> this is problematic. So, You're
2: like, f this shit. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I had. I mean, I think had I not gone to therapy and I had continued that path, I probably would have died because mm. uh, my liver was so. I mean, oh, I, was, for sure. I lost my hair. Yeah, yeah, you were very young, so to have,
0: to be at that point at such a young age. So, how, how did you not start drinking when you came to LA? So, you
1: have this agent who says well, to I you drink, lose weight, but I don't drink for that reason. Here is what happened. Is I got into therapy and I went, oh, the drinking is about pain. Yes. To definitely subduing that pain. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So I thought to myself, well, if I handle the pain, the drinking means something different. So I maybe have one or two drinks got a it. month. Yeah. Now I don't drink. I don't, I don't, I drink when there's a social occasion. Right. right. That's the only yeah. time I drink. And it's been that way since, because I stopped drinking. Before with the Reiki, got it stopped, and then when I moved to New York, I st- I just stayed not drinking because I was like, why complicate this process? Right? Why would I put that layer on top of all right. this other yeah, stuff I'm exo- trying, to, trying to and
2: all that? Yeah, new, trying to launch a new career, all yeah. that stuff. Sure.
1: And the integrity piece came from Reiki. Oh, he okay. was like, oh, it's the same. Is it good for me or bad for me? Here's how you can tell. Because remember, I grew up with a person who goes, put that in your bag. But, you know, it really this lie
0: blurs the lines of right and wrong when your parent is doing that. Honestly, it's so I don't even know. It's how you were able to navigate life of what's right and wrong. Thankfully, you had your dad on one side. But um, so you come to L.A. Yeah. And how then did you really stay straight? Like, how did you stay healthy? Because anyone who knows anything about acting would know that like that path is constantly you are bombarded with rejection. So, okay, so you get this, this. but I dropped that path real quick. Okay, so you get the agent who says lose 10 pounds and then you're like, okay, this is not for me. Right. When did you decide that writing was for you? You were writing in New York, but when did you decide, Okay, I'm here in L.A., I want to act. This guy tells me this, not really interested in doing that. How did you know then you're going to go back to writing? Did you must have really enjoyed it in New York then?
1: I did. I loved it. And I enjoyed it here. And when he when he said that, and I went, okay, this is not for me. I was already writing stuff because I'd started writing in New York, so I didn't like stop and then start. I just continued it's on. It's the old adage:
2: no. uh, writers write. Yeah, they, they, they just do. Do, yeah, they do.
1: that's what I was doing. I was writing screenplays, um, even then. And then, um, what was your goal? Like, so I read that you rented Office Space somewhere in
0: hollywood is that true no
1: i didn't where'd you read that oh
0: yeah i read that in an article that like you had rented office space with a friend and Mm -hmm. i was always i was curious like was that where you thought like okay this is going to be like my space to write and did you have like what were your what were your dreams about writing like did you want to sell a screenplay and make a big movie were Mm -hmm. you interested like what was tell us what is it
1: well we uh, i was writing by myself and i had a friend here when i moved here from new york There were a group of actors who were moving here from New York also. So there was one uh, person who moved here before me that I knew in New York. Her name was Liz. And uh, Liz is a connector. She's one of those people who knows everybody. She hits Uh the ground. She's already got two contacts. Now (laughs) she's got 18 contacts. She knows freaking everybody. Oh, that's awesome. So I knew Liz. Uh So I showed up. Hey, Liz, I'm here from New York. And I don't know how long it was after I moved here. but you know, she helped me find a roommate. Uh, she helped me. She helped me with a lot. Um, and then she found out I was writing and she was writing, too. And she was like, why don't we try writing something together? Oh, I was like, awesome. OK, so we didn't rent an office space, but she managed an apartment building that had an office. Got it. So I would show up at her office for her day job and we would write during her day job. Okay, tell us That's what were awesome. you writing? We were writing rom coms. OK. And comedies. Um, and we had a very specific process, like before I was writing by myself. So obviously I did everything myself, Uh, but she and I would brainstorm a general idea, come up with uh, a one page of like, these are the beats, like kind of like a beat sheet. And then she would type and we would talk and she would type what we were talking. And then I would read the script and give notes. And then we'd go back and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. And we we wrote eight scripts together. Um, Okay. So tell everyone the process of like, you write
0: these scripts because we know living in LA as a writer, it's an extremely hard profession Mm -hmm. to land basically like, and you're a woman in LA as a writer. Especially at that
2: time. I think it's, you know, now I, I would never say it's easy. So let's not say that, but I would say there are a lot more open doors for women now than probably there were back then.
1: Probably uh, the flip side of that, though, is no one's buying rom coms now. Uh, they are oh. non-existent. So, That's so true. When at, was the last time you saw a rom com? Oh, uh, they don't. They don't buy them. No one buys them. It's so upsetting. So the genre that I worked in doesn't even really exist now. Holy so cow, there's you're like so one right. a year, maybe. Yeah. And at the time, rom coms two, three, four a year. It so, is true. Um, and I love rom coms. So. So we had an agent. I mean, we we sent our spec script to an agent. He picked us up. It was a literary agent and shopped us around. We sold one script that got made. That was shown it at I say can. Is it con? I don't know. It might be can. Am I saying it at con? I said it wrong. Well, I, I have problem. no it's idea. Can. Oh, well, I mean, you say crick so that it's doesn't in the creek you say crick. we're in the creek oh
2: you know what a creek is do you know what a creek no. is you don't know what a creek is well it's the you water that runs is. behind oh the house. exactly so, yeah that's what I meant. she didn't yeah. even <laughs> know what it was yes it's,
0: it's a creek she asked me it's to spell it i said c-r-c-k <laughs> c-r-e-e-k <laughs> exactly. is a creek yeah he spells it c-r-k I'm like no, no vowel, nothing. All <laughs> no vowels. I, I I pronounce it creek, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but okay, so um, you and your burka
1: bag and your creek.
2: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> <No>. So fancy, <laughs> so like,
2: bougie over there. okay
0: See So, you, went, so you were can right? My oh, right? however con. you say it. con. con. Okay, the film con. festival
1: in France. Yeah, so yeah. Okay, so you guys. I didn't go there, but we actually didn't even know our film was there. They didn't even tell us. So, the producers, the film was made and was shown there, and I didn't even know. They didn't so, even somebody bought your script, yep. made a movie, yep. and it was at? The film festival, Con. yeah. In France. <laughs> Con. Yeah. I'm going to say
0: it wrong all the time now. Yeah. Um, Leanne. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Why is it not in your IMDb? I have no idea. Okay, it should be, because you know you have to. I didn't who's... know I had an IMDb. You do. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. I didn't know so, I had one. Yeah. I'm going to hire a personal assistant for you. I know, and we're right? going to put that on your IMDb. I don't really
1: care about all that stuff, though. That's the other piece is that I think I am an anomaly in Hollywood in that way. Okay, because everyone was, would be shouting it from the rooftop. That yeah, I don't they give a shit there. about that. I don't care. I mean, you I care that script, I though. that I sold a script that got made. That's amazing, and that is amazing. I care about that. I don't care if it's on IMDb. Um, I, it's the same thing when I work with so many things with Bert and. Uh, <laughs> someone else on our team gets really in a tizzy about where that person's name is listed in the credits. And I go, I don't really give a shit, man. I don't even need to be in the credits. I know what I did. You're
0: really secure. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you're,
1: I know what I did. You're like the most secure person I've ever met. <laughs> I don't. I, it's, that's you're like an what it's editor. We're used to me. not
2: seeing our name oh, in the credits. you right? totally be one of us. Totally.
1: Uh, writers too. I yeah. mean, they get the credit, but they don't have a lot of power sometimes unless no, you're like yeah. enormous. They're what? the least powerful they people. They
2: get their check and that's it. That's they get, it. They, they get written out of their own script. That's
1: right. I've seen it now that I'm on this end of yeah. the business. I'm like, wow, that really sucks. It does.
0: Um, so you have a major writing credit and how you must have, obviously you have more than one. So tell me, you get this script sold. Then where did it go for you? Like, like, how, okay, what were your thoughts? That's what I want to know. Were you like, my dream is to always live in LA and always be a writer. Like what were, what were your thoughts? Cause you're here and you're doing it. And that's major.
1: You know, what's really interesting. It's a really good question. I think, I think I always wanted to be a writer, but I think that, you know, I was a good writer in, middle school and high school, like I got short story awards and stuff in school. So I think I've always just naturally enjoyed and been good at it. Never thought of it as a career until I came to LA and, um, and then, you know, what happens, this is what I think is really interesting about life in general. If you are open, if you remain open to receive from the universe, then you can allow your path to be whatever it is you're supposed to receive. If you're living, as my dad says, if you're living clean, you know, you're a good person, you're, you're a person of integrity, person of your word, and you just ask to receive, have the path rise to meet you, it does. So yes, I was a writer when I met Bert. But I haven't really written much since I've had kids because my path shifted into being a support for my husband's path and my children's path which is my path and i think people think i have put myself aside or i have neglected my own i don't feel that way i don't i feel like bert's path wouldn't have happened without me i'm essential My children wouldn't be who they are without me and I am essential. Mm -hmm. So I can get back on that writing path and I may never want to again. Also, because of what Bird and I have created together in that creative space is so fulfilling that the fulfillment is what matters to me, not the I wrote another script. Okay, well, that would be great if that fulfills me, but it fulfills me also to know how involved I was in this last hour that's going to be on Netflix uh, sometime early 2023. Mm -hmm. Uh What is my involvement in that? I know what that is. Mm -hmm. And I'm good with that. That's what I need. Now, in my 20s, I probably wouldn't have said that. Mm. I would have said, nope, I need my name on the top of that. I need to be writer, director, blah, blah, blah. But as I've aged, my understanding of who I am and what makes me happy has aged with me. So. I don't know. I um, I took a class at UCLA in the pandemic, uh, the uh, UCLA extension that was uh, an essay writing class. And I'm fucking fantastic at writing essays. Nice. I am nice. really good at it. Where were you during college essay time? I oh know. my gosh! Oh, well, I don't know if I was so good in college.
0: <laughs> no, no, my kids. Why was Ellie over not over here? Having you help her write her college. Oh, essay? Oh, I don't know. Well, my daughter didn't help. Let me help <laughs> oh, her write her college essay. She's either. crazy.
1: Okay, so go That's ahead. good.
2: Um, you got enough on your plate. Don't I know, right?
1: It. But I was like, I still got it.
2: You nice. know, that's that's all I nice. I did
1: that class. And I inspired myself. You did it for yourself. I did it for myself mm-hmm. to go, do I still have it? Because the creativity has shifted into something else. Sure. It's, it's not sitting at a typewriter writing, but in some ways it's still writing in that it's like carving out creativity that other people do. Does that make sense? Yes, 100%. So I'm not stuck on that. Um Label, so to speak, of being a writer. That was what my intention was when I dropped acting. But remember, I left Georgia to be an actor, you dropped did. it to be a writer, yes. dropped it to be whatever I am now. I don't even know what to call myself creative producer, a podcaster, um, because I definitely produce in a certain way for Burt's projects. I am not an overall producer, but in a certain little avenue of his work, I am a creative partner. And I, um, I'm happy there. I'm really happy. I'm very fulfilled and happy. I don't have, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Um, So when you met Bert, you were a writer. mm -hmm. When then did it shift? How far into the
0: relationship where, I mean, were you still, you were still actively writing when you met? He was, he was actively uh doing stand up. Mm-hmm. So at what point was it when you actually got married or had kids where you stopped and said, "Okay, I'm just going to do this now." Like it had to be was it before that or like
1: where that was, was when it I got you? pregnant?
0: It was when you got pregnant. Okay. Got so you were up really upright. morning sick.
1: Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes, I had written a pilot that I had raised the money for and hired a director for um oh, wow. and I was about to shoot this pilot on my own dime and I was so excited for it, got pregnant and got terribly morning sick for months. And I was like, oh, I can't do anything. We put that on the shelf. Wow! And then when you have a baby, Bert started hardcore touring when Georgia was three days old. So once he started touring, I was managing an apartment building while I was writing and I was waiting tables. Well, I couldn't wait tables anymore with a baby. Uh-huh. And so I just managed the apartment building while I had Georgia and then Bert, um,
2: So three days. So you you just got her home and Mm -hmm. he's like, I got to chase this. How
1: are you okay with that? Like I asked you
0: this as a parent. (laughs) I asked you this as a mom. The first thing I said to you and all I knew when I first met Leanne was that your husband was a comedian, very well known. I knew this, that he had Netflix specials and that he wasn't home a lot because Ellie would say to me, Oh, he's, he's on the road. Like he's not here. So the first time I sat next to you, I don't know if you remember, I said, I have a thousand questions for you. And he said, ask away. And the first one is I said, how do you do it by yourself? Like, Uh that's what I wanted to know because my husband's not on the road traveling, but he's a workaholic and I was alone all the time. And I have so much resentment still Mm -hmm. about being alone. Mm -hmm. Like, how did you do it three days out? Like, forget who he is now. Like back then you didn't know, like it could explode, it could not explode. I mean, he was a working um, comedian making money, Mm -hmm. but like, not to the point where like, you could hire a nanny and you could like, you know, have a companion to help you raise this child. No. How, how did you do it? Like three days. That's crazy.
1: Um, I think it is, um, a combination of things. I think I'm an only child and from age seven to 13, my mom and my mom moved me to Atlanta. She moved us into the predominantly gay community because she thought that would be a really safe place for a little girl. And, um, I, I wasn't sure that tracks. She worked a lot. She left me home alone a lot. And so she thought in this neighborhood with a lot of gay men, they loved me, took care of me and were like moms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was alone a lot with my cat. It was just kind of me and my cat. I went to a very small private school and none of the kids lived in the neighborhood. So I grew up for those like, I don't know what, six years. Just kind of by myself, okay. except when I was dad with my dad. I had tons of cousins, but I saw him, you know, every other weekend right. and three months in the summer. So I think I was used to being by myself. I also had two oh, parents who needed listen. I pretty much took care of myself. Like my dad was an amazing dad. Every other weekend, got it. So mm-hmm. yeah. I walked to school. I walked home from school. I made a snack. I I I did everything for myself. My mom was not a neglectful mom. She was a working mom mm-hmm. and she was also not right. all there. Sure. So I wouldn't allow myself to rely on her for a lot of stuff because I, it was unsafe. So I, and just it wasn't consistent. It, it was you, inconsistent yeah. and it was out of integrity mm-hmm. and it was unsafe. So if I gave her any part of my emotional life, I was very vulnerable to injury. Um. So I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't let her care for me Mm -hmm. um it was too scary Mm -hmm. so so i think that's one of the reasons it really works for me is that i'm used to being by myself uh the other reason it works for me is that Bert is a complete and total slob (laughs) and he is horrific to live with in that way and if he lived with me seven days a week, 365, so less work, yeah. I would kill him. I would skin him alive and hang him from the balcony. I can't, I couldn't do it all day, every day. Wow. I couldn't. And I, to be honest with you, he's, he, when the, when the girls were really little, he's not an instinctual caretaker. Okay. He doesn't go, baby's crying. Let me get that. We were in the hospital. I have stitches in my body. Mm-hmm. I cannot move. George starts crying and he goes, you going to get that?
2: And I was like, I'm fucking
1: not. You are getting that because I am blown to pieces here. Get yourself up and get that. Oh, and he was like, the first thing in my brain, he was like, this is really fascinating because I kept thinking, where's my mom? Like, I need my mom to get that's that. That's awesome. And, but he's okay. honest with me about how he thinks. So if imagine if that was in my face every day. If every day he's like, somebody going to get that? And I'm like, I, I would kill him. That is true. So I can't do that. So then I would get in this rhythm where I was doing everything. So when he would come home, it would be disruptive for him to do, to take over some key pieces of of semantics.
0: You had had a schedule set up. You had it all lined up and he's going to come in and ruin it.
1: And what would happen was I had to go to, to eventually our, the... Apartment building. I was managing. Ad gave me two more apartment buildings, and so I had a physical office I had to go to. Oh, okay. So and I got a raise, so I hired a nanny for those hours when I was in the office, unless Bert was home. Okay. So when Bert was home, he was daddy on duty, Uh and I let it go. Whatever happens, if I come home and the house is a disaster, we can't afford a nanny Mm -hmm. five days a week. So you're home. He's home. Mm -hmm. He's dad. He would put them in the stroller and go to Trader Joe's. And he did every he was really awesome in those years. Those. But again, it's much like my dad. Super easy to be an awesome dad four days a month. It's true. Every other weekend. You can plug in and knock that shit out of the park two days a week. Bert plugged in and knocked it out of the park. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, that's my experience, too of my dad wow is my dad knocked it out of the park and then i didn't see him for two weeks yeah and then he'd knock it out of the park well i somehow repeated that pattern where bird came home wow. drop off pick up, cooking dinner changing diapers giving baths he was in it and then he got to go and fulfill his dream right and for him he's such a specific bird and I saw him do stand up and I went, this guy is so brilliant and yeah. he is a baby and doesn't even know it. Wait, <laughs> was this before you started dating him or is this why you were
0: dating him? You saw him do you while you we had, were dating. I didn't even thought. know he
1: was a stand-up. I mean, I didn't never seen him do stand-up. We you knew he bowling. was a comedian, though, right? Yeah, okay, so, yeah we just met, met Bowling. Okay, real quick.
0: I know you've talked about this. We're not going to go through it, really d- dive deep into it. But just real quick, um, you met Bert while you were bowling. You told me the story mm-hmm. with um, a friend of yours that put a bunch of people together who was single, yep. and that's how you met him. You knew he was a comedian. Yeah. And he had the travel channel at that point, right? No. Oh, what was he What was he doing? Just stand just, up? Just, just okay. dates. Okay. And then um, I think if I remember correctly, you told me that... Um, he took your number, but never called. And yeah. then you asked your, you called your friend yeah. and said, this guy never called me and I liked him. And what the hell? What the and hell? he was there with your friend. Yes. Uh, he goes here, talk to him. I'm like, do I have that right? Like, yeah, okay. that's right. <laughs> and yeah. then
2: I remember something else. It, it was like, after that moment, you two were kind of inseparable, right? Like, like, well, he well, was inseparable he, from he me. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: I couldn't yeah. get rid the of it. The reason
2: that resonated was because it was the same <gasps> story. Like Denise heels. dumped me one time yeah. and, and then i never left her house yeah, ever yeah. again. So like we've been together ever since. That's so so cool. it was kind of a similar story. But anyway, that's why it resonated with me. Um Go on.
0: And so, no, no, but you were, you were, so you were dating and that's when you saw him do stand up and thought he's brilliant.
1: Yeah. I thought this guy is really smart and he's just at the beginning. Um, but, um, yeah, I watched him do stand up that first time and he was like, what'd you think? And I went, I think you're a lot smarter than your jokes. And he went, oh, uh. like, well, I mean, you asked me what I think. That's what I think. I think you're, you're not really applying yourself to the level of your intelligence. And if you would, you'd be unstoppable. Okay. So, so hold on. you're a writer. Did uh-huh. he ever ask you to write, help him write jokes? No, 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 no. I would never do that.
2: I really, even back then that. when you were dating?
1: No, no. no oh, no, tell no, me no, why. No no, 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 because that is his territory, and I believe that to be emasculating. I am not, I am not down for that. No oh, way. Wow. He needs to stand on his own two feet and write every word himself. Period. Did he ever ask you to help him? No. He's never asked me to help him write a joke. What he asked me to do, and this is what I do. No,
0: it's, I'm talking about back then when you
1: were dating. I mean, no, now no, you guys no, are I know you're never, a team now. No. Like
0: what you do now is what different. No. I'm talking about when you were dating and you said you're smarter than what you're writing. He never said to you will help me like make no. me look smarter. No,
1: because you're a writer. No, uh, he would say he would ask like, why? And I would say things like same thing I have to say now. You say fuck four times in this one story. Say it one time and mean it and put a real word in the other three fucks. <laughs> you know, why would you say the fucking guy with the fucking car that went to the fucking grocery store was fucked? Uh, I'm sorry. Use one of those. And give me an adjective in the other ones that's meaningful and intelligent. And now you have an intelligent joke. Did he do it? Yeah. He's always done that. That's awesome. That's always been our relationship. Okay. Is that, hey, he wrote a book that I edited Uh because he'd write the book and he'd go, the paper towel that was on the thing that was the things next to that thing that was that thing. And I'd go, well, how many fucking things? (laughs) (laughs) Say what the thing is. Just say what it is. I mean, you don't need it, but he doesn't that he's dyslexic and his brain doesn't think in that kind of specificity but i read everything i love to read so my brain thinks in specificity so he has this big broad brushstroke of this larger than life story that's amazing But what makes it really amazing is that little intricacy, those subtle nuances, those tiny words that you don't even realize make it so rich. That's true. So that was what I meant. He's smarter than the thing that the thing that went that the thing. Yeah. That's not how he's smarter than that. Yeah. So sometimes I'll give him a word, you know, why don't you use fantastic instead of fucked or Mm -hmm. whatever? Yeah. But I don't ever write and I have never written and sometimes he'll like brainstorm a concept yeah. and we'll back and forth a concept, but it's I like have bouncing never
2: ideas read. or tweaks or whatever. Yes. Right.
1: And even with this book, he wrote it and then I would go back and go, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And then he would go back and write it. So I've never written for him because to be honest with you, I really think it matters to him that it's his Sure. Oh,
0: okay. That I, makes for sense. For sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you had to quit your job waiting tables and you were managing the apartment buildings, because you had managing two, you said, right? I had At three the, buildings. Three yeah. buildings. Okay. And you have Georgia and you're still trying to write. No. You stopped totally. Yep. Okay. Yep. You know what? Um, this is when you put all your focus on being a mom. Yes. And, and helping Bert then build his career. So I have to ask you, as I know other this is not a female male thing at all because we've there are men who've put their careers on hold totally. for their for their wives to you know build their. She careers. just looked
2: at me twice while she said that. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> Sorry.
0: Just,
2: for those of you who are this not is nothing watching personal, YouTube, but you know, no, she, nothing... it's nothing personal as she's staring. I can't right even at me.
0: relate. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how are you okay? Because you were a successful writer, you sold a script. Mm-hmm. I need to know this. And I, there are other people. And again, not male, female oriented. How are you not resentful? How did you, I mean, what if he didn't become Burt Kreischer? What
1: if he like, tell, tell, tell me, I need to hear this. Like how you were okay with all this. Okay. I think that this has been my mentality from the beginning. We are a team and whoever gets us from A to B is who gets us from A to B.
0: Does he feel that way from the beginning? Did he feel that way from the beginning? Cause that was your thought.
1: I have no idea. Um, I think that he felt like we both knew only one person could hold a real job and it wasn't him. <laughs> so yeah. we could invest in mine, <laughs> right. yeah. but we couldn't, he couldn't do something to support mine. I could. Wow. So okay. in my opinion, if you're on a boat and you're ca- <laughs> crossing the Adriatic sea, do you care who paddles more? No, you just want to get to the other side.
2: You just don't want to sink. Yeah. I just
1: don't want to sink. I want to get from A to B. Here's how we're getting from A to B. What was my B happy home, happy family, financially secure. That was my B. And you knew you could help get
0: you both there because you could secure the job. He couldn't manage apartment buildings. Hell no. No.
1: Okay. he couldn't. And he couldn't hold together a family like I did. And he 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 was an excellent dad. Those two days a week he was home and the week he was home once a month. He's always been an excellent dad. He's always been. He never gives himself credit. No matter how far away he was, he was never gone. He was Aww. always plugged in. That's so sweet. He knew what was happening. He yeah. knew we talked every day, just about every day. He, he was very present even when he wasn't physically there. Yeah. And that was something we talked about too. We said, I said, I can back you if you show up And you are here. But if you show up and you're somewhere else, I'm going to have a problem. You need to show up and be here for your kids because they didn't choose this life. They won't know any other life. So they've got to be fulfilled in this life. And Mm -hmm. if they're not, then I have a problem. Wow. So So, that's where you put your foot down because you are really a
0: wonderful partner. But you did put your foot down and say, you have to be present when you're here.
1: Yes. And there were times when he was coming in hot and he's calling me from the car um like for instance georgia when she was three tripped on her own feet and broke her jaw right here broke all four teeth in the jaw and broke the jaw and bert was on tour he was on the jameson tour at the time had four or five comics and i was on stage and i called uh i think i called another comic and said something's happened I don't want anybody to be alarmed, but he needs to call me when he gets off stage. He did. I told him what happened, <laughs> fell apart. I mean, like level 11 fell apart. And I said, I thought to myself, he has the luxury of falling apart because he's yes, not with my kids. You're right. I'm not falling apart because I cannot. Because if I fall apart, Georgia will think this is really serious. It was, mm-hmm. but she's three. Yeah. yeah. So I got to keep yeah. it together. Everything's good. We're good. We're going to go see the emergency dentist. No big deal. Handle everything. Bert's falling apart. Next morning, falling apart. He's flying home, falling apart. Gets in the car from LAX, still falling apart. And I went, let me tell you something. You walk in the door of this house, you have your shit together. She is three years old. Cry your ass off. You walk in this door, you are her dad. And that's it. None of this bullshit. So wrap it up. And he did. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how we've always been. You, you can still have do it. it. Do you still do it now yes. to this day? Wrap that shit up. Yes. At a certain point I go, <laughs> you gotta wrap it up. Because of the two of us, he's definitely more emotional. Uh-huh. He's definitely more mm-hmm. reactive and he's a catastrophe thinker. And he's very dramatic. And I'm not. I'm very, I've had to handle myself since I was four. Right. So I don't have that. Uh I don't have that peace. So that's the way our parenting has been the whole time. If he had been there when that had happened, it probably would have been very terrifying for Georgia. Oh, God. Yeah, it would have been sure. well, thank God he wasn't there damaging yeah, for her. For sure. It would have been traumatizing. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, something I observed in my mom with her marriages is that she was never a teammate. She was about me. Mm. What are you doing for me? Right. Why did you do that to me? What about me? And I went, that's not working. Divorce number six. Oh. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. So when I figured I was in love with Bird, I got back into therapy because I said to my therapist, I think I found my guy. I don't know how to do this. And I don't have an example in anywhere oh. in my family mm-hmm. of how. Wow. So I need you to help me because I'm not going to know fighting in my house was leaving. So if I ever went against my mom. Yeah. She would stop talking to me for like a year, year and a half. She okay. Would, would, I
0: thought you were going to say a week.
1: Oh, no, honey. No, no, no. When I moved to my dad's at 13, she didn't talk to me for a year and a half because I betrayed Did something her. to her. Right. Yes. 23, we got in an argument because she was having an affair on her fourth husband and asked me to lie to him. And I said, no, I don't lie to anybody. Didn't talk to me for, I don't know, maybe four years. Wow. Um, Holy Ann. Yeah. And then 33, Aww. she did it again. And She's that was missing last time. out on so much. She, she is. is it really breaks so my heart yeah. for her.
0: Like she's missing yeah, she's out.
1: She's so, so unhappy and mm. lonely and it breaks my heart. But I can't have that with my no, kids. You can't. You're nope. right. As soon as I got pregnant with Georgia, she did it again. And when she did it again, she did it via email. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't know your kids. You're dead to me. You're not my daughter. You're so disrespectful. Bullshit. Bullshit. I printed the email out so I would never forget. And I went, this time it's over. You say so, I agree. This time oh, I agree. Yeah. Wow. So I am it's been dead. Like bye bye. Yeah. She's seen my kids one time.
2: No way. Twice. Wow. I'm sorry. Okay. Twice. Wow. I didn't know that. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. She's, she's not, she's, that is not a healthy relationship for me. And it is no way going to be that way for my kids. Where I say to you, you're asking me to lie yeah. about fucking the neighbor mm-hmm. to your husband mm-hmm. who's been nothing but wonderful to me Aww. what a terrible position she wanted to put you in oh yeah and then yeah. She, that's just one of many of through your course oh, of life one with of her many. Yeah. yes i got subpoenaed to testify on his behalf in their divorce
2: oh wow <laughs> goodness it was Holy horrible God. oh
1: my gosh so yeah she's a she's a mess oh a mess she's a mess um, well, with
0: all that being said, yeah. are you the parent you've always wanted to be? Cause we always have this idea. And
2: so tell us like, yeah, I mean, given, I want
0: you to start asking her g- some questions,
2: given, given, uh, all that, uh, obviously then we start building a template for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think you live up to your own template? Like what in that moment, in those moments where you said, I will never do this, that, this, that as a parent, I have done the same thing with mm-hmm. my family, different circumstances, but I think, you know, any sentient being <laughs> eventually goes through that process. Like what kind of parent am I going to be? Do mm-hmm. you think you've lived up to your template? Like what you wanted to
1: be? They're still young, but yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, I think I've done a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I've been in therapy the whole time and the whole, I'm still in the same yeah. therapist because I feel like I don't have that consultant, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have that.
0: I know you need that. Like everyone has somebody they can like, you, it's usually their mom where yeah. they can go back and say, Hey, yeah, are their partner. Yes. I mean, Yes. And, you
2: know, but in fairness to Bert, he's got no template for what you've had to go through because yeah. he had his mommy, his dad and very different upbringing, you know? Mm-hmm. So like Denise, like when I share things about my childhood, she's like, I'm off the reservation on this one. Like yeah. you should talk to somebody, you know? Yeah, yeah. So
1: it's, it's a, I think I've done a pretty good job. I think I did a good job of recognizing bad patterns and thought processes um, before I had kids so that when I had kids, my, listen, here's the thing. My mom needed me to fit in this box. I needed to be pretty thin. I needed to dress beautifully. I needed to uh, behave a, in a certain way. And
2: you had to be useful when she required you to be.
1: Exactly. And I had to never, ever have a thought that didn't line up with hers. Right. Okay. That's part of the personality disorder. Is if, I, if I had a thought or an opinion that didn't line up with hers, she would feel it was life threatening to her, like it was danger, danger to her. And so as I grew up, I, I when I had kids, I thought I want to I want to be curious about who they are instead of telling them who they are. My mother was never curious about me. Aww, she yeah. told me, who uh-huh. I, you will be ABC. And if you are not ABC, you're out. I mean, I have so many examples of if you're not ABC, you're out. Right. And I just went, that's no way to live. That's no way to be in the world. Is It'd to be have... very difficult
2: to be your own person. Even you probably feeling that even from a young age, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
1: did. And I had many breakdowns in New York, like not knowing what butter to buy. Because I should I buy Lando Lakes? That's what my mom always bought. But I don't know. She would be so upset. Like they're still in you. You know, I'd have really big breakdowns about very simple things Mm -hmm. um, when I was trying to kind of unmesh myself from all that she'd told me I was to really figure out who I really was, you know, because part of me is her. Of course. And Mm -hmm. to be able to see to say the part of me that's her is not dangerous to me. You know, my mom, I actually am very much like my mom. I'm not like my dad. I'm just not damaged like she was. That this what happened to my mom happened from trauma. Sure, to her, mm-hmm. I understand why she is the way she is. It's just really tragic. I wish it weren't that way. Right. But I think in being parented in a way that did not foster um, a lot of nurturing and growth, right? I decided. I wasn't going to do that. And I also, my dad used to make fun of me. I've also always been really curious. Like Mm -hmm. my dad used to say, you ask more questions than any person. Just stop with the questions. Give you (laughs) the number questions. And I'd be like, but one more question. He's like, oh my God. I mean, I remember him getting like, I've had enough questions for the day. So I think that's my nature. So when I had Georgia, my nature was to be like, huh, who is this little person? Oh, and what do you want and uh-huh. how do I maximize that? And I don't think I was perfect, but my intention was right. Right. You know, and with Isla too, who are you and what do you need? Do you ever get nervous?
0: Because I think we say this always as adults, like, I don't want to be like my parents, like the bad part of my parents. Do you ever get nervous? Like, do you ever, like I say, I've once heard this. <laughs> oh my God. If I get like nanny, someone tell me. Yeah. <laughs> That's Nanny's funny. my mom. Yeah. And I'm just now everyone tells me I'm my, like I'm acting like nanny all the time. But like, you know, you there are things about your dad where you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to oh, do there that. There are you
2: moments s- where I've like, you know, just totally father. spun out and then I realize like with the wrench in my hand and ready to throw it against the wall because whatever I'm trying to fix isn't working out. Like I literally am my father in this moment. You know, do you have, do you so. have
1: moments like that? Sure, of course. Um but I don't have yeah, I do. Of course I have moments like that. But I don't I don't know i don't really worry about it too much oh okay good um but i do have moments where i go oh but it's more like stuff like i work so much and my dad worked so much like oh, that's like yeah. i do that kind of stuff okay. where i go mm-hmm. I, i'm working myself to death exactly like my dad did right and, you know my dad's not dead he's very healthy but right. he works like a horse and mm-hmm. i work like a horse mm-hmm. sometimes i go mm, maybe not so balanced and that's not great but with the parenting stuff here's another positive my dad was so, um, some stuff he was out to lunch about. He just didn't understand. Okay. And some stuff, this is what he did. That was great. Every single night when I lived with him, he'd come in my room, he'd sit on the edge of my bed and go, how was your day? Oh, that's awesome. Tell me about your day. You reading a book? What you reading? Tell me about it. You remember that. That oh, really yeah. was so
0: impactful that you're every talking day. about it right now as an adult.
1: Yeah. Every day. And I just said this on a podcast a couple of days ago. My dad really liked me. He liked me. Aww. You know, my mom didn't like me. Uh-huh. He liked me. And that my dad liked me made it easier for me to like myself. For sure. So I think I thought I like my kids and I want them to know that I really like them. Yeah. I really enjoy who they are. Mm-hmm. My dad got the biggest kick out of who I was. He still does out of who I am. He gets a Aww. big kick. And that one little bitty thing uh, allows you some self-esteem that is, is a lot more effortless. I think that's a very good way of putting that. Yeah. If you you feel liked by your parents, you don't even have to be fully known. He doesn't really know all of my nooks and crannies, but he really likes me. Uh So that makes a big difference. And
2: I was going to say that brings up a second question. My last question about your specifically about your dad. Um, I also had a father who was just gifted at like, keep it simple, stupid, right? Uh Like he was just like, it was his mantra in life. And I I don't even think he ever realized it. Do you ever have moments now, like, like where you're hardwired and you're like, like working like a horse, like you said, or whatever, do you ever have a moment where you detach and you say, my dad would never, ever do this or be like, things would not be this complicated with my dad and then try and shift.
1: Hmm. Does that ever work? that's interesting. I don't know. I'm sure I do. Um, where I'm complicated, where I'm going against that grain,
2: like where, yeah, where you say to yourself, I've overcomplicated things like my dad or whoever that person is in our lives, uh, would never ever do it this way. And so I ask because I specifically am incapable of doing that. Like if, if no matter how complicated my life's become, it's going to stay complicated. It's never going to be like my dad's life. Like I, I want that superpower to say, Mm. you know what? we're going to simplify this and just cut through the BS and I'm going to let some people down or take some things off my plate, but, uh, I'm not, you know, you like um, to
0: keep it complicated
1: is what you're saying.
2: Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's, and I'm not saying you do, because you don't seem like, but you do have a lot going on all the time. So Uh that's why I'm asking.
1: Well, my dad always had a lot going on, Mm -hmm. but he, he kept it pretty simple too. I think I'm, I think I'm kind of that way. Like, there's a lot going on, but I'm always like, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Do you need? Okay. Boom, 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 boom. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you're very much a caregiver. So you are always mm-hmm. taking care of people. Who
0: was that in your family, your mom or dad? That had to be your dad, right? Um. Or was it a product of not being taken care of for, taking care of, taking care of, am I saying that right? Taking care of. Not having you, to like, take care of yourself. Yeah, you yeah. take care of yourself. So maybe you you're being just such so a damn caregiver.
1: Good at it. Yeah. Maybe, you know, my dad was caring. Got it. But He was very loving and he was very caring and he was very affectionate. Um, I'm not an affectionate person, actually. I mean, I'll give you a hug, but I'm not like, can we snuggle? That's not my thing. But I snuggled with my dad a lot. But, you know, I'd like sit in his lap and watch TV and stuff when I was little. But I don't know. He wasn't a like Yeah, I guess he did kind of go, hmm, what does she need and who is she and where is she going? So I guess I did did kind of get that from my dad.
0: It's interesting because when, you know, Ellie is over here and, you know, she spent most of the summer with you, um, we always hear the most amazing stories about like how great parents you and (laughs) Bert are. I mean, I have to tell you that because people are always so quick to judge and just um, they'll tell you what you're not doing. But the one thing I have to say
2: especially, is, especially kids. Yeah.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So whatever, you know, look, like I can just say as another parent, you and Bert really like make the girls feel special, even on the amount of time maybe he's home or how busy you are. Like Ellie has always said how both of you have stopped down when they're around. Yeah. Like there's like, you know, you've completely stopped down, and like are engaging with them. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I have to say that's pretty amazing considering how busy the both of you are. Nobody really understands it. Like maybe your audience does, but nobody ever sees behind the scenes. Like, like let's talk about laundry
2: yeah uh, do we have we to hear, we hear a lot about uh we like, hear a lot about laundry my
1: laundry room or yeah, your laundry just no, you're always you're, in it. Laundry. Yeah, you're, you're always, always doing-, doing laundry
0: i think it must be your therapy
1: because i like- hate it no it is not that is
0: incorrect i hate it oh, ellie says we'll finally end two places in her laundry room and podcasting it's probably true i hate laundry or so much like that ellie said it was very funny but my point is is like you're still like like what is it boots on the ground like it's there, crazy. yeah there are yeah. plenty of
2: parents who are unaffected i guess when their friends show up you don't just have ellie you have mia you yeah. have you have daisy yeah you have sophia uh-huh. you have like like the whole gang but you make is them here. all feel
0: special oh yeah. that's so sweet how yeah. do you have time for that it goes back to nobody knows the behind the scenes of this family's life nobody not even us but i have a little glimpse into it and how this woman and Your husband, make these kids feel special on the limited amount of time you have. It's what's most important? Oh, well. What's the
1: most important? Yes, it's the family, but my kids. It's my it's right back to that same base. I know, but you happy family. Happy family. A lot of people in a busy lifestyle like yours say it, but don't do it. Well, then they have a different integrity. And that's okay. That's their integrity. Mm -hmm. That's not mine. Mm -hmm. Mine is I may not be able to spend an hour with you, but I can give you a focused 15 minutes. And sometimes a focused 15 minutes is better than four hours of unfocused. Oh, that's so so true. So my dad, again, when I showed up every other weekend, was plugged in. And then he had the, you know, 12 days in between to be a bachelor or do whatever. Right. But that's what I experienced in parenting. And so that's what I have repeated is that, you know, I'm here all the time. I can't spend all day, every day plugged in, but I need to make sure that I plug in enough so that it's felt. Oh, that's a
0: good approach. And then
1: I can go and do whatever.
0: Um, and most people, I I mean, I culture of social media and the phone. I think we can all agree. Um, parents who just maybe even work at like the grocery store mm-hmm. or who are teachers. I don't know if they can say they plug in 15 minutes when they're home cuz they're pulled in so many directions and you have the phone this and that. So that's a really good exercise everybody to practice. Start plugging in for at least 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, it's not that hard. No. Yeah. And it's not again if you have your integrity and your like those core pieces that really are what you mean to be and you practice that every day. But it becomes second nature. Yeah. Right. And it's my second nature is to stop what I'm doing and engage, Mm -hmm. even if it's just for a minute. And then I can go back and what am I doing? That's more important than that. Nothing. There's nothing that's more important than that for me. Yeah. Um, And Bert's the same way too. We, he, again, when we went, when we decided to go down this path together, the most important thing is the family. So he, goes off and lives this crazy life. But when he's here, he's pretty plugged in. Even when he's busy, he always makes sure he makes a minute in the day, 15 minutes or a meal or something where Mm -hmm. he's really present. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Is your life what
0: the young Leanne, the young Leanne that was praying and saying, give me
1: security. Mm -hmm. Did you ever think it would be this? No.
0: what do you think it would be?
1: I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm a I'm a really weird person <laughs> where I have a lot of faith. Um, I'm not super religious, but I just kind of gave it to God. And I didn't really have a specific vision. I had a feeling, right? It was a feeling I was going for. Mm-hmm. And I've achieved that feeling.
2: That's amazing. So
1: I didn't have a vision. You know, where people's like, visualize, you should still visualize. I didn't really do that. I think I really just went... I gave it to God for lack of a better term. Um, I believe in God myself. I have no judgment on anybody else who doesn't Mm -hmm. or whatever. But my path for me Mm -hmm. has been about um, being open to receiving and communicating what I feel like I need, but then surrendering that because what you need shows up. Mm -hmm. It may, oh, not look hard. Like, <laughs> it may not look like it may not look like what you think it is. Uh-huh. But if you remain open, it's true. What you're everything you're
0: saying is true. Like it, it, if you just try it, it works. But you're right. It doesn't always look like the
1: way you want it to look. Listen, you should see some of the guys I dated before Bert. <laughs> they did not look like Bert Krasher. They looked very different. I think Bert's very handsome and very sexy and I love him. But I was dating something I thought right was sexy and handsome and was completely wrong for me so until i really opened up and said i god give me what i need give me what i'm supposed to have that makes me happy and secure and fulfilled and interested and is fun give me that yeah i I showed up I laugh because when you said the
0: guys you dated before Bert, I because I think Bert's attractive as I well. I love yes. And so I'm like, oh, she
1: was dating little dweeby guys, but no, you're talking no, no, about no. like model looking guys. Yes. Right? Okay. Okay. Yes. So um, okay. Total like, eye candy. Gorgeous oh. guys that that were quiet, moody, broody, distant. I can't reach him. You know, <laughs> kind of things like that. Does he like me? Does he not? I don't know. It's a mystery. But you know, my dad said to me when I was really young, I thought that was terrible. He was like, you are not going to marry a regular person. You're going to marry somebody that's not regular because you get bored too fast. You're going to be bored. Mm-hmm. If you had a nine to five guy, you'd be out the door in six months. You can, you, that's not you. So it's going to take you longer and it's not going to look like a duck. Your it's going to really look something was else. Wow. Like all these so anecdotes you
2: keep giving, throwing out. It's, it's like for a guy from the country, mm-hmm. he knew a lot. That's great. Very
1: thoughtful person. Yeah. He's a very thought. Full person. He's a very smart person. His very worldly advice all around. He just knew his daughter. Yeah. He and I think I got that from him too. He did see me for who I was mm-hmm. when I come back from Atlanta. He goes, "This town can't hold you now." Oh wow. He saw me for who I was. He didn't yeah. try to make me something else. He didn't even try to get me to stay because he saw that's not who I am anymore. Right. So you can choose to control her, or you can choose to. Hang on and ride the ride with her. So that's what he did. Wow. And I think that's what I tried to do with my kids mm-hmm. is hang on and ride the ride with them. I think that's one of the reasons it hasn't been so hard for Georgia to go to college. Right. Because I've been like, this is her life. Yeah. Yeah. In her journey. And I just get the privilege of being a part. Oh, that's such
0: a great way of you know, of approaching it because um not every parent does that. No, they don't. She's <laughs> no, not my they...
1: possession or my child or my property. She's a gift. She was a gift that the universe right. gave me the opportunity and the privilege of being a part of this whole experience of helping her become her best self and her helping me become my best, best self is such a gift that if you look at it any other way, you're really missing out. Mm-hmm. It's not a burden. It's not, it's not a job. And, and she's not mine. She never has been, mm. you know, she went through me and that's it.
2: Well, jumping off of that now. So, uh, Isla still has a few years to go, mm-hmm. but any predictions on what the new normal for Leanne looks like in a few years oh, when yeah. she goes off?
1: I won't play a lot of pickleball. No. Oh, <laughs> Come and visit us. Cause Denise has it. just yeah. the place for you. <laughs> I have no have idea. Have you started playing? Oh, I've played like hack pickleball one time and it was really fun only because fun. I played with my friends who talk so much trash right? that I was like, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, my new normal, I'll probably meet bird on the road more than I do now. Sure. Oh, that's awesome. I'll probably go up to our, our house our, on the beach uh, a little more than I do now. I'll hope I still dive into my podcast. Yeah. I don't, I, maybe I'll write, but you know, if you think about it, she's in school most of the day Yeah, and she comes home yeah. and I spend time with her, but she already has her own life. Um, so mm-hmm. when she moves that to a college campus, um, I'm going to, I hope that I feel the same way I do about Georgia, that this has been
2: yeah. a
1: privilege for me to be a part of and that that's what she should be doing is launching and hope she comes back you know, as often as she wants, but, but I don't know. I don't know what my new normal will look like. I am anticipating being a little more lonely um, because I'll be home alone. Sure. It's all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I can fix that. I can figure that out. I have so many friends. You do. And I'm, and like I said, I can go meet Bert on the road and, live in his slovenly hotel room for about three <laughs> days and not be like, bye-bye. Mama Mama got to go home to some order, yeah.
0: please. Um, what are you going to do with all that time of not doing laundry?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, Bert's the yeah. laundry yeah.
1: problem. Bert's the laundry problem. Bert
2: is the, okay.
1: He's the problem. It's not- He like, brings all the clothes and, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. He changes clothes like four times a day. Not oh, oh so it's doing. not even like on the road clothes. We're talking when he's home clothes. Oh, when he's home, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. And then when he comes home from the road, he dumps his road clothes. And then he just starts like consuming. Four times a day. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Oh, on top of the road clothes. Yes. Because he works out twice a day. Uh He spills food on everything he wears. Uh So he's constantly, everything is dirty. I know what that's like. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I could shake (laughs) this off and hang it back up. No. It's dirty. Uh, He's the problem. And you know, I had, I tried a laundry service for a while. Yeah. Here's the problem. Tell me. Someone has to bag it. Yeah. Someone has to schedule it. Okay. <laughs> so you're
2: doing When work it comes anyway, home, right?
1: somebody has to put it away. It has to be sorted. Oh, okay. And then put away. Okay, have you
0: ever thought I know this is a crazy, crazy concept? A housekeeper? My husband doesn't
1: want any strangers in our house. Okay, he's gone a lot, Leanne. When mm-hmm. he's gone, get a housekeeper for you yourself. Might not know. Well, I have someone I have a crew that comes one day a week and cleans okay. and like top to bottom cleans everything. So I don't clean the house. I maintain it between Wednesdays. Oh. <laughs> uh, they just don't
0: do laundry. Oh, you have to find. I'm going to hook you up with a laundry person. You need help with that laundry. I don't know. I
1: hate it. I hate it. If if I could, yeah. But the but the problem is the same. If someone did my laundry, they'll put it away. I will come here and help you. Oh show God. them That's where right. to put
2: it. Land. I, I
0: want to take one thing off your plate. I okay? should start a new
2: business. Download laundry service. Yeah, right. <laughs> you just Down throw low? it over the back fence. Right. will never exactly. know. He'll never know.
0: He'll never know. Yeah, that yeah. is. I mean, that is that is
1: something I think that people uh, don't know is that I don't have, I don't, now that we have this lovely house, I'm still the person like yeah everything. You are. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. I don't
0: know how you do it. I mean, I have no clue like how you're doing laundry. You're still cooking. Uh, you're, um, taking care of the kids, you're packing lunches, you're, uh, driving air to them that wherever they want to go running errands, like, it's insane. You don't have a personal assistant. Like, I don't know why you don't have a personal assistant. Tell us why. Do you uh, not think you
1: deserve one? at Well, this point? I have some help. Actually. OK, I have uh, one person who comes in as needed. OK, so like if I have dry cleaning and the dog needs to go to the vet and the groomer. Can and then, this person at least throw a load of clothes in for you? She will not do laundry. Um, I'm so, I'm a laundry person. She doesn't do laundry, <laughs> but she does take some of those kind of like running around errands off my plate. Oh, she goodness. does a lot for my dogs. Okay, good. I mean, we have three dogs, three cats. Yeah. Um, somebody's at the vet constantly for one reason or another. So, she helps me a little bit uh, with that. And then we hired someone in the business end that's kind of a floater, okay. c- kind of helps me, helps Jennifer. She's been helping me a lot for the holidays for like corporate stuff. Okay. But she's going to shift back to Jennifer. And so she helps me from time to time. In fact, she's kind of a project based helper. Okay. So I do have a little help, but I don't have an, a personal assistant per se. If someone needs to schedule a doctor's appointment, I do that. I mean, Maybe I you should
0: get thing. somebody, but that's just, you know, my, my, my two cents. I'm all about making your life as easy as possible. Cause you have yeah. other things that you, you know, that, I do have
1: big fish to yeah, fry. We fish fry. Yeah, you absolutely do. Yeah, we do. And it is exhausting. And, but you know, I don't know.
0: I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> Denise has
2: experience as a personal assistant. I, I know, know. I know,
0: I know for me. many years. So yeah. let me hook you up. But I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, before we're going to wrap it, because I know we have been talking for a long time, we have like some things like some. Fun little um, facts I think that we want to ask you about. You okay. First? You were a cheerleader. I was. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. We didn't know that. Well, I didn't, know, I didn't that. know that. I know she talks about it on her podcast. So um, yeah. So he did not know you were a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. What Is else? that good or you know, bad? I think it's cute uh, as can it's be. It's good.
2: I've just, just random fun facts. Uh, <laughs> did you not
1: think I would be a cheerleader? Were you surprised?
2: I didn't. I can't say I was surprised no oh, I mean I, I don't you see more of like I mean I can't there's no a great, softball girl? I'm going to insult cheerleaders if I answer that question so but you're oh. you're just a super intellectual person and you know oh. but I know intellectual people <laughs> could be cheerleaders That's just- See what I'm saying? There was no I way of backing out of that I actually wasn't surprised at all so. that
0: she's a cheerleader because she's so cute and little. Aww. Cheerleaders are always little. Like, I'm a t- Somebody's got to
2: be at the top of the feet. tower, right? I was at
0: the top of the tower. Okay, yeah. I weighed go. 100 pounds in high school. So I'm <laughs> yeah. wet. She's I cute and down. little. So I was like, not surprised yeah. at all when I knew she was a
2: cheerleader. I,
1: I'm like, I oh, loved yeah. being a cheerleader. I we we
2: it. also heard about, uh, this is, I think this is huge in the country, especially because we, you know, used to do the same, but you guys used to do like a haunted house or something like that. As Yeah, so a little birdie told us that you would- you you and your family would put on these big productions every halloween that
1: was my dad yeah and what about a doctor with chicken guts oh it was my dad yeah he okay so <laughs> we lived in a at the time it was a 180 year old log cabin that was on an unfinished cement block basement um so they had this log cabin was in virginia and it was disassembled numbered and put on a train and driven to georgia and then put back together on top of a full basement. Mm. Um, so the, the top part of the house was really old, but the bottom was like just a cinder block basement. So my dad, his brother, uh, spouses, um, I don't even know. There were like probably five or six couples that all had kids our age that put this haunted house together in the basement of our house. So for two weeks before Halloween, All the adults would get together and drink beer and set up this haunted house. And then the week before Halloween, (laughs) we would have this Halloween. Uh Uh Like 200 kids would come. I mean, Uh 1,600 people in my whole hometown. Yeah,
2: half the school would be there. It would be the
1: whole. It was amazing. So one year, uh, my dad played a doctor and Joyce Robinson was the patient. And they put chicken guts on her like he had cut her open. And then as you walk past, he would throw chicken guts at
2: you. Oh, that's awesome.
1: It was amazing. It's a 3D
2: experience. It
1: was amazing. (laughs) It was so awesome. They'd have people hiding in the woods like. Making noise and jumping out on your car as you came to the driveway, it was insane. How do people not scream
0: and have heart attacks? Bloody murder. Yeah. Okay. Bloody murder. It was terrifying. Oh, it was successful. Terrifying. Mission accomplished.
1: (laughs) Mission accomplished. It was so scary, running out from
0: the woods and jumping on your car. Whatever they're doing, I would just chicken guts. I would lose it. Yes. Yes. Uh Well, that was
1: that was that weekend the weekend after the weekend of halloween my dad would have a huge um costume party adults only okay and uh i would get to pick up all the beer cans out of the woods next day and i think one year i picked up eight full-size garbage bags of beer cans oh so people wonder why i married who i married there you go it's my dad you're still
2: picking up beer cans
1: exactly My dad was a big party guy. He had a blast with his life. And uh, that was an excellent example. He was never irresponsible. He was always, uh, never drank and drove. Bert never drinks and drives. But at his own house. He threw it down. They used to put the mattress. My dad had a king size bed. They would pull the mattress into the living room and have wrestling matches and bet on it. Awesome. It would be like you and Bert wrestling and we would bet on it. It was insane. They had so much fun. That's
0: so crazy! Is it fun? Oh my gosh! Okay, that's hysterical. You would love to do that one. You, like I absolutely throw- would. I- I yeah, right now, at this age, you would still love to do yeah, that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Let's get oh down. my gosh, that's so funny! Oh well, this was so great, Leanne. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh, this was awesome. Thank you it so was. much. I mean, I've been wanting to do this like since we met, really. So thank- really, yeah. I, I think you're, I think you're interesting, and I think that the way you transitioned your life. Um, from being a successful writer to being a mom and a support for a successful comedian and also now being a team like you you said you were always a team but like it like legitimately look around like you you built this like with him that's incredible and I don't know if very many people can really say that usually it's one person that's doing all the work and the other person is kind of watching by the silence but you never were that and that's incredible
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's so true. There are a lot of
2: people that work parallel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and Bert seem to intersect a lot. And And I think it's, uh, you know, the nature of your kids reflects that. That's why our kids are friends with your kids. (laughs) Yes. you know, um, whatever template you had that you were holding up to yourself as a parent or a mom, our kids view you as super mom. So you should totally take that with you for whatever that's worth. And, uh, Yeah, yeah. And,
0: you know... I know you convey a lot about yourself, your life. Bert does on his podcast and whatnot. But um, people that are now listening to us do ask us, "How are they?" Um,
2: In person, yeah, person, In, and obviously,
0: our, our our interactions with you are very limited. But um, every time we've interacted with you, it is very real. And I've told everyone, like, there is genuine and generous and kind as they seem. Aww. to be. Yeah. And that, that is so
1: nice to see. very true. So yeah. you well, know. authenticity
2: speaks, like I yeah. said, especially in the eyes of teenagers,
1: yeah.
2: so they, can, <laughs> they can sniff a fake right away. Yeah. They have know? a good
1: bullshitometer. Don't they they do, absolutely too. do. They do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I think that Bert and I were very lucky to find each other to have our value systems line up mm-hmm. and at the core of both of us, is a lot of gratitude. Oh, you know that's really I nice have, to hear. I have two words that I say always. Life is about grace and gratitude, and grace has a lot of meanings. Uh, you know, it means how you move through the world. It means the grace of God. It means the grace you give other people. the The benefit of the doubt you give someone. The wide berth someone might need. The someone that may not have the best intentions. The grace you can allow people to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. Grace is a really powerful word. Um, And gratitude is everything. If you you can find the gratitude in the bad stuff, you can have gratitude everywhere. I mean, I am not grateful. I mean, I am grateful for some of the bad experiences because I wouldn't want them. I wouldn't go, hey, guess what's happening tonight? I'm getting date-raped. I wouldn't have done that, Mm -hmm. but I can take that experience and go, what did I learn and how do I do better and how do I help other people do better? And um, I can find the grace and the gratitude in how I've handled that bad moment in my life and moved past it and mm-hmm. there's so many i can i can say that about my mom i can say that about the hard times i've had in my marriage mm-hmm. i mean it's not all been smooth sailing mm-hmm. with a husband that works sure. and and us not being on the same page and fighting you fight mm-hmm. yeah, i'm sure you've always nah, had arguments us. <laughs> <laughs> but if you approach yeah. that hurt mm-hmm. when your spouse hurts you with grace and gratitude the hurt goes away very fast mm. uh you know And forgiveness. Yeah. You know, forgiveness sets you free. That's key, yeah. it it, Resenting something keeps you in chains. It does nothing for the person you resent.
0: Oh, that's true. You know, spend my
1: life resenting Bert for being on the road. Well, I'm the one suffering. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So to forgive him for anything he might have missed or done poorly is freedom. And then that freedom allows you to have the grace and the gratitude to just, you know, I don't know, be the best person. You being your best person inspires other people to be their best person. Oh, that's
0: so true. Yeah.
1: So your only option in life is to strive to be your best person. You won't always make it. But if you're trying to be your best person, then everyone around you has to show up with that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's true. In the beginning, when you were talking about people who show up with these ulterior, they don't show up. And I think that's why. Because anybody who's not being their best person is afraid of me. Oh, okay. That's (laughs) a good point. Yeah,
2: there's probably, I mean, I believe that's probably legitimate, you know? Uh, It is
1: legitimate. Because Bert's like you, Bert tells me this, told me this from the beginning. You scare the shit out of people because you are exactly who you say you are and you do exactly what you say. And Mm. people who aren't like that are like, ooh, they got to go hide. They get scared. Oh, that's a really good point, Leanne. Mm -hmm. So- I I am what you see and that's it. That's it. Yeah. I'm an open book and I have no hidden agenda. There's nothing. This is it. And some people who haven't figured out who they are or don't have the best motives are afraid of that.
2: Mm.
0: Huh. All right. That's a very good point, which you come at at an angle that I wouldn't have thought of. So that's really, yeah, that's accurate. I don't
1: know. (laughs) <laughs> people have always been scared of me. I've always scared people off. And I, it makes me feel bad. I'm like, I don't understand why she won't talk to me. And Bert's like, you are terrifying. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not terrifying. He's like, you are terrifying because you're always honest. Right. You're always direct.
2: Honesty's a, a huge, I mean, that's a repellent for a lot of <laughs> people
1: totally is.
2: Come
1: on. And I go, give it to me. Give it to me. I'd much rather know what your agenda is because believe me, I spent my life raised by someone who had every agenda hidden. And so if you got a hidden agenda, I'm out. I'm like, I can't, I can't hang. I can't, I can't, I can't process that. So, but that doesn't work for a lot of people. And it is scary. I am very direct. And I wouldn't have it any other way. This yeah. is who I am. I've always been this way. I love it. I'm kind of like that,
0: too. I mean, that, so I I actually appreciate that. But I never looked at it from that angle that that is terrifying to people. And um, it can it can make people run for the hills. So I, mm-hmm. I OK, so you really so back to that question, you really don't get a lot of those people because they're too they're too intimidated. OK, I
1: think so. My mom yeah. used to introduce me like this. She'd go, this is Leanne. If you want to know the truth, if you don't want to know the truth, don't ask her. Oh, when I was a kid. Wow. Great. And I'd be like, uh, okay. I mean, as a really small kid, because someone, one of her friends would say, what do you think about this dress? And I'd go, mm, mm-hmm. not good. Does not good. And my mom would say, see?
0: <laughs> I love
1: that. See? I don't ask that. her if you don't want to know because she can't tell you anything else.
0: Wow. But anyway. Okay. Anyway. Oh well, this was great. We took up so much of your time. No, you
1: didn't. Thank you for
2: sharing your studio with us. Oh, I really appreciate that. Oh Oh, my goodness,
1: well, I'm quite flattered that you were curious about me. I'm very flattered. I don't know. I don't think of myself as anything particularly special or different than anybody else. We disagree. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm just good at talking. That's
0: all. No, you're good at a lot more than that.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, everybody uses words. It's what, ha- what happens with the words when you're saying them that I think resonates with people. It does.
0: So, and you're yeah. um, not just a talker. You're a doer.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yes. I am a doer.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so thank you for sharing this two hours. Oh my gosh. With us an hour and 15 or yeah. So two hours
2: and 15. We're not so counting. So
0: th- Cha-ching. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Leanne told us not to count I know. Anymore.
0: No, I right. don't count. I'm not worried I about know, it. I know. I know. But thank you. So, um, so uh yeah this is where it started with us and i'm so grateful that you were here to interview so thank you eleni
2: last words no empty okay. nest full tank from our end
1: <laughs> yep. uh,
2: happy to be on the set of wife of the party really great stuff to be back thank you so much well
1: thank you and i can't wait for our episode okay here we go <laughs> awesome thank you. thank you of course yeah check the mic and make sure it sound right boys